0: Now, I'm delighted to talk to uh, Mr. Charles Linden, or welcome, should I say, Mr. Charles Linden, who's going to talk to us now, and I know for a fact that we've called him out a little bit, because he's out on a date. Good evening, Charles. <laughs> Good evening, <laughs> hi. Not, not really a date, I'm guessing, but uh, you've had a fantastic opportunity, and you're taking advantage of it tonight. I
1: absolutely am, yeah. I'm going to see Robert Plant in uh, concert in Wolverhampton, which um- is... Very jealous.
0: I'm very jealous. (laughs) I have to tell you. As soon as when your wife told me that, I thought, Oh, okay, okay. Let's cancel the interview. I'll just head over there and we'll go and do that instead. Yeah, Yeah, good for you. Okay. Well, actually, a neighbour of mine, strangely, which is uh, more of a coincidence. She lives down the road. So, okay. Um, Aussie Osborne used to live in Stokes. That's not so far away either.
1: It's not, no, he's, he's, I think he's a Brumman, isn't he? Yeah. somewhere yeah. around here, anyway. Yeah. And,
0: well, I, I don't know whether he lived in Stoke, but certainly his first wife lived in Stoke, because I, I met right. her in a premises yes. that I had once before. Thanks for joining uh, us tonight, Charles. Delighted to talk to thought. you. Uh, we're going to talk to you a, a little bit about your uh, Linden Method we're going to talk to you about. Yes, OK. Well, yeah. I've been talking to uh, the, the listener earlier, and we're talking basically about... Before we go any further, can I just clarify, is an anxiety attack and a panic attack exactly the same thing?
1: It is pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people, I think, I think people have, have the belief that anxiety attacks are, are, are a sort of a less uh, overwhelming version of a panic attack. But actually, I think mean, pretty much we're talking about the same
0: thing. Yeah. yeah, I pretty much thought they were, but I just wanted to check because I didn't want to go talking about them and keep into, you know, interposing the words and find you suddenly say to me, actually, they're very different things. So um, now no. there's a very specific reason why you got into working with this. Could you want to tell us a little bit about your experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I suffered with with high anxiety and um, panic disorder, agoraphobia, OCD and all of the sort of physical and and, and psychological um, manifestations of those conditions pretty much from birth. Um, I remember from a very early age suffering from um, what you call shyness, but what was going on behind the scenes was was pretty devastating actually as a child and uh, that became, um, as I grew and became more socially aware, um, I guess towards my teens, It became more intrusive and and a lot more um, uh, angled towards panic rather than the sort of mild anxiety I'd felt up to that point. Um, So I had 27 years of suffering and, and it all ended in... Well, I lived in Germany, actually, with, with me suffering from chronic panic disorder and agoraphobia yeah. and OCD.
0: At what point do you realise, uh, uh, you know, that, that that's exactly what you're suffering from? You, you mentioned there that uh, a certain amount of shyness, but at what point do you realise this is a lot more than that, and you get sort of adult and mature enough to realise that you're actually suffering from something? I
1: think um, when I when I went into into junior school, when I went out of. Um, when I was about seven or eight I realized that not everybody was was experiencing the same kind of thoughts and these catastrophic thinking patterns that I was I think uh, probably around between seven and ten I became aware that there was something a little bit different about me
0: that's quite that really is quite young I mean were you telling people about that at the time
1: I was in fact I think probably the first time I spoke to to mom about it at any length was when um, I was on the way to school, and, and I'd had a particularly bad time with a kid that was was bullying me. Um, and I remember turning to her in the car and saying, um, "Mom, I just want to die." And, and she, and I, at that point, I think she realised there was something more than, you know, just the, the shyness and the um, and the problem with the bullying. I think she realised that there was something more going on, and she turned the car around and took me to the GP, and he prescribed me some some old school antidepressants. And... It, but it, it never really settled down, I think. I, I learned to deal with it more effectively, but certainly into my teens. And when I was, you know, playing, I was a very active team. I mean, it wasn't that I, I was ever, it, 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 despite the fact that I was suffering from high anxiety and, and that I was constantly seeking reassurance and, and, and carrying out these safety-seeking behaviours, I still, um, you know, I'd be on the rugby tour bus and I'd be panicking. Um, nobody would see it, I'd have have complete control over it but I'd I'd be very anxious about being away from home and being away from people I trusted so I think I dealt with it very well Um, but it was a mask I mean underneath I was absolutely going to pieces
0: Yeah, Um, as you say you you got this very young so I I guess the very first thing that you would say to people is if your child does uh, show any signs of something like this don't just uh, pass it off as, uh, oh for God's sake, pull yourself together there may be something more going on
1: well, yeah, and, and the thing is that what people don't realise, and something I came I to understand, and I'm, I'm probably very unique in, in, in saying this, um, is that if a child does start to um, display the signs of high anxiety, it's actually because they have an intellectual asset. It, it, you know, a lot of people perceive shyness and anxiety as, as some kind of frailty. Um, and, it, and it does, obviously. You know, manifest as frailty in that you know you, you panic in, in social situations or you avoid situations because of your anxiety. But actually, the the cause, the true cause of high anxiety conditions, isn't frailty. It isn't um, it isn't that somebody's overly shy or that they have some kind of deficit. It's actually that they have an incredible resource. It's just being used by the anxiety, and that resource is what I call creative intellect. So, if your child has got um, uh, you know an anxiety condition or starts to develop the signs of of high anxiety it means that they have this creative intellect that can be repurposed to do amazing things it's just that when it's when it's when it's not used directly it can manifest as anxiety
0: now uh, charles you may have already said that within this answer but forgive me I, I haven't quite picked up on it are we saying then that the anxiety will stop the ability from coming through or is it just masking it and, and stopping the person from using it
1: it, it's masking it. It's, well, it's, it's actually using that intellectual resource because the, the anxiety response mechanism in the in the subconscious mind, the part of the brain that, respo- that um, controls the emotion of fear, in fact, all emotions. Um, the, the emotion of fear is quite unique amongst the emotions because most emotions are, are there to give us an experience of the outside world. So we see something funny, we laugh. We see something sad, we cry. Um, but the, the emotion of fear is actually there. It has a very specific... Um, Physical purpose, and that is to protect us from danger. So it prepares the body for flight or fight, which is hence to the fight or flight response. And and the thing is that as soon as you activate that response, you also activate these risk assessments. And these risk assessments are, you know, what if I die? What if somebody else dies? What if I kill somebody? What if I swerve and hit the tree? What if what if what if, what if? these these risk assessments are constantly being done by the subconscious to keep us safe. But the problem is that those are fueled by creative intellect. So the creative intellect um, goes one step further. Instead of saying, uh, stopping it, what if I hit the tree? What if somebody dies? Once the anxiety-provoking situation is gone and you're back in normal life, the same thoughts start to cycle. So you start to say, what if? What if somebody dies? You know, What if I lose my job? What if I haven't got any money? What if I can't send the kids to school? What if I lose the car? What if I can't work? And so people with anxiety disorders tend to catastrophize absolutely everything. And when nice. I say everything, I mean everything. You know, even, what if I don't switch the light on and off 20 times? That becomes OCD. What if I leave the house in panic? That becomes agoraphobia, and so on. So they apply these risk assessments to absolutely everything in their environment. And there are silly things starting to come out now, for example, with OCD. We all know what OCD is, these obsessive-compulsive um, kind of traits within anxiety disorder. But they're even separating it down now in the psychological community to have things like um, HOCD, for example, which is OCD about about your sexuality, or about your homosexuality. And it just doesn't exist. It's ridiculous. It's like having, you know, it's like saying that, you know, tickly throat syndrome is is, is, is the flu. It's a, it's a condition within the flu. It's not you've got the flu or you haven't got the flu. It manifests in many ways. Yes. But those individual features of the flu aren't individual syndromes or conditions. They're just features of having the flu. In the same way, the core condition is anxiety. It just manifests in people differently. In some, there's OCD, PTSD, agoraphobia, panic disorder. It's all past the same condition.
0: Right, now before we go any further, I know we've got a massive problem and that is that I've realised instantly that I could talk to you for hours and it's not, so I'm going to have to tailor my questions because I've been <laughs> scribbling like crazy here so I'm going okay, to okay. I'm gonna have to to figure out what we're going to talk about and, uh, and cut a lot of what I did have um, let, Let's go back to anxiety itself I mean obviously you, you yeah. were coming through that very, very early You were 7, 10 years old Now did that, did that kind of guide you towards the kind of career you were going to have? Did you get into something like this very early or did you go another route first and then find your way back to to working with anxiety?
1: Well I wanted to be a surgeon all through school and and because uh, partly because of the anxiety I mean I I did I did work in a I volunteered in a hospital when I was about 14 and I became very very uh, focused on becoming a surgeon but because of my anxiety I realized that it was going to potentially affect my ability to go away to university to be away from my parents so I kind of every all anxiety sufferers will relate to this you Your anxiety forms very much your um, decisions, your your sort of career path, your your life path and prevents some people from having careers at all or even getting married or having children because they're constantly doing risk assessments about, you know, what what if I have a child and I can't cope or what if I go to university and I have to leave or so they, they prevent themselves. It's all part of that safety seeking.
0: But, I, you see, I would consider myself a, f- a fairly anxious person. I mean, I'm, I'm normally pretty anxious about most things that I take on. I'm not scared of doing them. They don't stop me from doing them. So I'm guessing there are l- lots of different layers and levels of anxiety attacks or anxiety feelings.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, anxiety... I, I, in fact, I did a, a webinar tonight and I explained that somebody said, what's the difference between anxiety and fear? That there is a very distinct difference. Anxiety is the, is the condition. Anxiety is a a physiological response to too much fear, and and fear is a natural emotion. So anxiety is when it becomes intrusive. Um, You know, anxiety can, I mean, it ranges from shyness right the way through to extreme panic disorder or agoraphobia or OCD. So there's a hugely wide spectrum, as there is with any condition, of, of suffering. You know, yeah. some people it takes
0: very mildly, others it's catastrophic. Yes. Uh, now, in terms of actually helping with it, uh, I think you're, you're quite uh, adamant in saying that it really, there really are very limited options. In fact, the Linden Method, uh, there are an awful lot of people. You've got some great testimonials from some pretty serious people who have found your method and um, believe that to be the way. How did, you, how did you come across this way and can you tell us a little about it?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I mean ultimately, you know, the, the, the truth about any physiological condition really, there are very few you can't apply this to. It's like, it's like for example, you know, there's billions of dollars worth of, of plasters and ointments um, sold worldwide and the whole industry developed around, you know, um, helping uh, cuts on hands and abrasions to, to close. And, uh, but ultimately, there's only one solution to a cut hand, and that is to allow the body to, to replace the skin cells that closes the gap. Um, and it's the same with anxiety disorders. You know, there are huge quantities of treatments, whether those are medicinal or, or, or psychotherapeutic or, uh, you know, relaxation, huge amounts of treatments. But ultimately the only way that you can become non-anxious is to deactivate the emotion of fear. I mean, it, it stands to reason, it's common sense. And the only way that you're subconscious, which you can't control consciously, you know, if I said to you now, drop your heartbeat to 40, 40 beats a minute, or, you know, um, stop digesting your dinner, you can't do it. It's your body, but you don't have control over that because it's autonomic. It happens regardless of whether you're asleep or awake. And it's the same with the emotions. You can't consciously, through thought, through, um, through speech, control your emotions. It's impossible. Any more than you can control your adren- adrenal levels or your or, or your digestive enzymes. And so, the only way that you can control your subconscious is by using your senses to send the correct data back to your subconscious to reprogram your subconscious to behave more appropriately. And that's how you fix an anxiety disorder. And when I realised this, and, I, and, and scientifically, it is the only the only solution. I'm not saying the Lynda method the only solution. It's just the Lynda method contains the process um, that will teach you how to allow your body to heal naturally using its own anxiety recovery process. And, and as far as I know, it's the only the only sort of technique that that, that does that. Uh, and this is sort of confirmed science, you know.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, are there, do different people have different levels of needs in terms of how they're going to be able to overcome it, and even if they're able to overcome it? I mean, is it something that you, you're comfortable you can teach everybody, or do you, some people get it, some people don't, some people find it harder?
1: I think it's, it's, I mean, it's very dependent on people's environments and how, and how they suffer and how intrusive their, their, their symptoms are. But I have never in 15 years, in fact, in my entire life, and I'm 45 now, so I mean, it, you know, it's, it's been a relatively long time. I've never come across somebody who can't be cured of an anxiety disorder. What, what you call an anxiety disorder, I prefer them to call, to call them high anxiety conditions. Mm. But I've certainly never personally failed to cure somebody of their high anxiety condition, which is, I, you know, you mentioned earlier that there's some pretty substantial people on my website. And the reason for that is because they get results and they, and they feel very compelled to speak out
0: yes um, well just a name okay, drop okay. for you just a name drop for you uh just instantly the top the, the first two that you can see straight away for example Gemma kid and uh and Gokwan, two people who speak obviously very highly of you and your and your uh, um uh, your your ways your your methods um yes. you why is that, what's the difference that you just said you do a webinar i mean how does do you treat people in all different ways some on the internet some in, in you have a retreat don't you in that in, in worcestershire is that right
1: Yes, we do. Yeah, I mean, the retreat was uh, sort of a brainchild of mine, really, because I, when I went through um, cognitive therapy and, and I was hospitalised a few times, like I went for private treatments at clinics, um, you know, places like the, the Woodbourne Priory in Birmingham, for example. They, they have very specific ways of, of treating anxiety disorders. And what I always said when I, when I developed my home learning package, which is the first step towards doing this, that, and that package has helped. You know, many thousands of people. I always said, if, if I ever did a residential version, I'd want it to be a no compromise. I, there's no way I was going to invite people somewhere that was compromising on the experience itself, the comfort of the experience, the curative elements. I wanted it to be absolutely everything it could be. So, we created the retreats and, and the workshops about um, three and a half years ago now, and they've they've been vis- visited by hundreds and hundreds of people from literally from all over the world. We have people fly from. You know, sometimes from Australia or South Africa or Saudi Arabia, just to come for three days to the retreat, because they they've seen the reputation, that, you know, that we've we have treating people at the retreat. Yeah, you, meant, you mentioned people
0: three days there, Charles. Is that is that standard? Would you think? Is that what you need?
1: No, not at all. I mean, it's it's different for every person. I mean, it, we have people using the home learning program that have said that they've been become completely anxiety free. Literally in days, two or three days, we've had other people say it's taking them a little bit longer. It's all down to compliance. It's like teaching the piano. You know, you, you have to somehow trust the the, the uh, your your students that when you've taught them how to you know to play certain keys on the piano, that in the interim, in the period between that and the next lesson, they're actually going to put their fingers on the ivory and move their fingers in a way that is going to send the right data to their brain so they retain that information. And it's the same with the Linda method. As soon as you start doing what your brain's expecting to happen, to turn off the, the emotion of fear, the emotion of fear starts to turn off. And it should happen instantaneously. You know, when a dog runs out in front of your car, anxiety is activated in an instant. But when the dog runs off and you, and you, you know then through your senses that you're safe, your anxiety deactivates. the same with laughter or any other emotion. It should activate and deactivate as needed. But with anxious people with anxiety disorders, it doesn't deactivate quickly enough because of this creative intellect which cycles the anxiety, symptoms causing thoughts, thoughts causing symptoms, and so on. Mm. And all we do is we break that and correct the the way the brain responds.
0: You break it without breaking the creativity.
1: Correct. In fact, what you do is you repurpose the creativity. You repurpose that creative intellect, that, that resource in your brain you drag it away from the anxiety and you repurpose it. Mm. And so, I mean, a lot of our clients go on to become incredible people. And if you look back through history at all the greats that suffered with anxiety, they suffered because they had creative intellect. And then once they became non sufferers they became great. They're it's the people that the world's
0: founded on, you know. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at some of the most uh, uh, talented people who very often were, end up with you know, massive stage fright. Or, uh, for example, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking of the likes of Tony Hancock and, uh, and Tommy Cooper. I know they happen to be comedians, but the, they just happen to yes. be in that in that area. Uh, but they would come off panicking that they were okay. Yes. Were they all right? Asking yes. everybody around them was I? Was it okay? Mm-hmm. Did it come over well? Uh, and everyone know. I mean, they can hear the applause, but it's not enough. Yes. No. So it's it's, not. this is what's going on in the body, is telling them, you know, th- this anxiety Well, Maybe they're clapping, but maybe they're clapping for some other reason. Maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. somebody yeah, else yeah. just walked on, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. and
1: there's always that risk that the clapping will stop. You right. know, with a lot of people who are on stage, it's always that risk of... They've always got in the back of their minds, what happens when my career ends? What happens when people stop clapping, stop listening to me? And of course, you know, people who... I mean, I help a lot of actors, for example, I've helped people from from a variety of, uh, of TV. For, for example, i recently helped um, Kate, um, Kate Ford, who plays um, uh, Tracy Barlow on, on Coronation Street. She's tweeted about, and she was in the OK! magazine two, three weeks ago, um, saying how the Method has helped her. And people like that. You have to imagine these people have incredible creative intellect because they can take on other people's personas. They read a script and they create a whole new persona within themselves and become that person. So that takes immense creative prowess. Yes. Uh, you know, an enormous creative resource, and of course, the, you know these people also have this predisposition to suffering from anxiety, and they often do. And I've sat on many off-stage, on many stage productions, music productions, sports. You know, I help a lot of sports people, actors um, off-stage. I'm often sat off-stage, uh, supporting them when they come off, and, and helping them with their. And I'm called in very often for, you know, what I call first aid, where you know it could be the CEO, CEO of a company, or a musician, or a sports person who has great financial value to their management and suddenly develops panic attacks. And so they sort of call me in to do this this first aid thing where, I, where time is of the essence, where I have to cure them very quickly. And so we get them compliant very quickly and we get them non-anxious very quickly.
0: Wow. And that's it works. A, yeah, that's a lot of pressure on you as well. I mean, do you, I mean, given that you have gone from having anxiety attacks yourself to now being in a situation where somebody else or the health of a good big company or, or an actor, for example, or an actor's performance is in your hands, does that not make your anxiety levels higher?
1: No, strangely, no. I mean, the, the, the beauty of what we do is that because you're going through the natural process of reducing the anxiety at its core, this, what you're doing as well is you're changing your neurology to recognise and deal with potential um, anxiety-provoking situations in the future more appropriately. So you reprogram your brain to become non-anxious, but you also sort of almost build this firewall, almost like a computer firewall, that recognises and deals with incoming threat differently in the future. And so, no, I don't. I mean, I, no, I've never suffered from a from a high anxiety condition since, and I've had lots of things happen to me. I was stranded up a mountain in a whiteout one evening with, with a, a lady and a young boy, and didn't know how we were going to get down, but... No, my anxiety levels were... I mean, when I was anxious, you wouldn't have got me out of the living room, let alone of <laughs> the mountain in the Alps. You
0: know? Yeah. I, it,
1: would have t- it would have taken, a, you know, a horse tranquilizer and 10 men to get me onto a plane sure it just wouldn't have happened but you know i get onto a plane i don't even know i'm on the plane
0: you know yeah you mentioned uh, and on your uh, on your website which incidentally is uh, all the w's obviously charles linden linden.com i uh, advise anybody to go and have a look very good site uh, you've also t- two things i'd like to mention one is that you talk about home learning is this the dvd is that uh, is that how they do home learning
1: yes the original linden method pack if you like is a a home learning resource which which includes um, very simple video instruction primarily Um, there is a manual included which tells my story and gives lots of explanations about the symptoms and sensations Um, but that also the home learning version also comes with 12 months support a lot of people make the assumption that it's sort of peer support or that it's um, email support I've actually got a team of psychologists and psychotherapists who are all trained as Linda method coaches and they sit and they, they, they do what I call compliance policing in other words they they listen to people's problems. They they reassure them. They educate them. They give them structure, and they um, they point them in the right direction to to make take the, the shortest route to anxiety recovery. Okay. Um, and you've already mentioned that there's the retreats and workshops. Um, I also do online webinars, which you can look at on on the website, um, which is a 90-minute um, group session, if you like. With, I uh, mean, and you can see me. I can speak to you. You can ask me questions. But it's almost like being in the same room with You know, six or eight people, uh, where they get very, very uh, direct advice about how to become compliant.
0: Yes. If people want to find out about costs of all these things, I assume that's available on the website.
1: Yeah, they can. They can phone. It's best to phone because obviously there are a number of options, and we don't like to confuse people. Okay. Um, I've also started to do uh, some some limited sessions in in a a clinic in Harley Street. um, Which um, the best thing to do is phone uh, either Joe Joe Goodchild or my wife Beth. in the centre, on the telephone number, on the site,
0: and they can give you all the uh, all the information. Okay, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's it. It's fantastic stuff. I mean, it's incredible what you've done. Can I ask you very quickly? I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. I appreciate you probably want to dash off now. You to see, no, see Robert? You, um, <laughs> well, you talked about your different conditions. I mean, what is the difference hmm. between you? Just a, say an anxiety attack. Uh, someone who has an anxiety attack and OCD. I mean, is it all the same thing, or is it very different?
1: No, it's, it's it's all the same thing. I mean, you know, like I said about having the flu, the, the core condition is is high anxiety. I mean, I don't like to call it anxiety disorder because it implies that there's an illness involved in yes. I genuinely don't believe this is an illness. This is a condition that causes you to experience too much of the emotion of fear. And, and a high anxiety condition can manifest in so many ways. Um, but the, the ways it manifests is based on these what-if thoughts, these risk assessments. And anybody that suffers from anxiety will know exactly what I'm talking about. The ones that say, what if I pass out? What if I have a panic attack? What if I go on holiday? You know, all these risk assessments happening uh, and being sent out by the brain. And OCD, for example, is just a, a, um, the only difference is the subject matter. With agoraphobia, for example, it's the same what-if question, but it's what if I'm away from a personal place of safety? What if I have a panic attack in the park? What if I have one when I'm driving? And that's what agoraphobia is. Where with OCD, the only difference is the subject matter. What if I don't wash my hands? What if I don't turn the light on and off? What if I don't lock the front door? What if I don't check the gas? It's all based on the same what-if risk assessments, but it's just different subject matter. Mm. So the core anxiety condition drives all of these, including PTSD. that a lot of you know, ex-servicemen, and it's mostly in the news, ex-service people. Um, but you know PTSD is an anxiety disorder that's caused by, obviously, trauma. And, and, and it just manifests slightly differently to um, the other conditions like OCD and agoraphobia. But it's still the same core anxiety that causes it.
0: And you can help people with PTSD just the same as anybody else that you, you treat?
1: Absolutely. We've, we've helped lots of, um, you know, non-service people with PTSD, but also, you know, people who've seen active duty, policemen, firemen. Um, it's all the same core condition. You've just got to tweak the, the, the treatment methodology slightly. So that they get the reassurance for their particular manifestations and uh, uh, symptoms.
0: Yes. Um, I saw that a core lot of people. Process. Sorry, I saw that a lot of people who I read this up to you know, while I was looking to uh, about what I was going to be speaking to you about. And I saw that a lot of people who suffer from anxiety attacks end up with lots of other things like IBS or bad digestion, palpitations, etc. Yes. What, what goes on in physiologically in the body then that creates these kind of difficulties?
1: Well, you have to remember that the, the the emotion of fear is supposed to, like we said earlier, deactivate, activate, and deactivate very quickly when, when a risk is present. So it's a it's a first aid mechanism. It's a it's a you know the fight or flight response. It isn't meant to be switched on and maintained for long periods of time. And what happens is during the fight or flight response, um, messages are sent out to the body to prepare it to either flee from or fight a, a you know a real risk. So. Uh, there are a number of things that happen, for example, um, with, with the gastrointestinal or the, or the, um, the, 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 um, the whole digestive tract from the, from the throat right the way through to, we all know where it ends at the anus. You know, it's a hugely complex and long, um, group of organs that produce the, uh, you know, that do all the things that digestive tract do. And when, when you go into the anxiety response, um, moisture is, for example, pulled away from there to go into the bloodstream to fuel the muscles. So, the, the, the digestive tract shuts down um, pretty much so that it, the digestion becomes slower, the, um, the hormones aren't released as quickly. So you, but what happens is obviously in that shutting down, you get things like indigestion, you get bloating, you know, in the in the anxiety response mechanism um the, the bowels try to empty to make you lighter so you can run faster so a lot of people with anxiety suffer from diarrhea because and they think that that's some kind of digestive upset but it's not it's just the bowels trying to evacuate so that our bodies become physically lighter so we can move quicker and it's the same with the bladder you know we've heard these quite coarse um you know comments about people um defecating when they're scared for example well that's a physiological response to fear I mean, and 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 it's the same with the palpitations. The heart is beating faster to send more resources to the muscles because you're supposed to be fleeing from whatever the danger is or fighting it. All of these things have a reason. You know, even the, the eyes, people say that their eyes become sore and, um, and bright light becomes brighter. Well, that's because the, iris, the, irises, um, uh, the pupils dilate so you can see fine movement more accurately in the undergrowth so you can recognize, you know, potential dangers in the undergrowth. Mm. The hearing becomes more or um, it, it, it's actually called hypervigilance. Your whole body becomes more vigilant because it's looking for danger this, and trying this to identify is, uh, what the is,
0: danger is. This is incredibly primal, isn't
1: it? it absolutely. It is absolutely. The, the, you know. And, and People suffer from, um, for example, what's called Globus Hystericus, which is the lump in the throat. Yeah. I think we pretty much all experience that sometime when we're scared, this, this feeling of a, a tightness. That actually comes from when we were, um, during our developmental, you know, as humans, we've developed, obviously, through evolution, yeah. from, from, um, from amphibious creatures. And that tightening in the throat is actually left over from when we were amphibious. It was there to keep to stop water going down our throats when we, were, when we were lizards, but it still remains in the human body. It has no physical, uh, you know, no function currently as humans. But when we were amphibious, it had a very, um, a very important role in keeping us safe. Yeah. And, and, and now when we're confronted with something fearful, that little muscle still contracts in the throats. And people feel like it's a big lump, but it's not. It's a tiny contraction, but it just feels overwhelming. And that's left from, you know, millions of years of evolution.
0: One of the uh, one of the things that struck me as I'm speaking to you is that if there are different grades of anxiety attacks, right, the way from something almost that people wouldn't even realise that they're suffering from an anxiety disorder, for example, then uh, some of the things that go with them, i.e., for example, bad digestion or, or or a bit of IBS or whatever, could literally just be that it's just at a lower level and they're not sort of uh, sort of pegging it as particularly anxiety disorder.
1: Oh yeah, pretty much most of the time. In fact, I mean we. You know, I've helped a lot of people over the years. You know, you come across people, they they come up to you and say, what do you do for a living? And you tell them, they say, oh, well, you know, I, I suffered from a bit of IBS. I mean, it nearly always is anxiety-related in some way. Mm. And even through to, you know, ulcerative colitis and and Crohn's disease, uh, you know, these things are very much anxiety-related and can be exacerbated hugely. And when you get rid of the anxiety, their symptoms tend to settle down
0: very quickly. Well, this would account for why. uh, It says that you've, uh, at this point, well over 150,000 people have used the Linden method. That's uh, considering you're only 45 and you suffered for this for 27 (laughs) years. That's some incredible results, my friend done very well here that's incredible thank you oh, no, well, it's no. good. It's i hope people will we'll get on the site and have a look because it sounds to me as though even if you don't think that you suffer from anxiety disorders you may well have some little things that could be helped by dealing with uh, you know the root cause there
1: Absolutely. And it's so simple. I think people think it's going to be a long journey because traditionally there's medication or psychotherapy involved. But, yes. but actually, you know, it can, it can change your life very, very quickly indeed. And a lot of people say that the method is just a really good way to live your life regardless of whether you're anxious or not, it is a very productive and
0: fulfilling way to, to lead you know, to lead your life. Sure. Charles, thank you very, very much for your time tonight. Uh, enjoy Robert Plant. That's fantastic. I, I hope <laughs> I hope it'll be great for you. For anybody who wants to know, you're advising that they ring you, but first of all, go to the website, charles-linden.com. Find the uh, phone numbers on there, give you a call, and you can find out more about it, costs and et have a yes. love Have a lovely evening. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks great, for joining thanks us. Cheers. Bye-bye.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.